The Wild Honey Collective is a podcast for cultural worker bees, where we pollinate ideas about how we could live in greater integrity with our self, health, and wealth, and alchemize those ideas into coordinated, artful action. We emulate the female leadership structure of worker bees, marveling at their ability to co-navigate through dance, alchemize flowers into honey, and teach us how to collaborate within clear structures for collective harmony and stewardship of life. On today's show, we have the pleasure of speaking with my friend Nari Sharif, robotic scientist, award-winning inventor, world traveler, poet, philosopher, and as he describes it, an Eastern heart with a Western mind. Nari is such a person of curiosity and robust, wild imagination, and I just felt that we had to have him on this podcast, especially as we're building the very foundation of what the Wild Honey Collective is, because he embodies and models the sense that, to say it in the words of climbing poetry, possibility is as wide as the space that we create to hold it. Nari, welcome to the Wild Honey Collective. Thanks for being here. I'm so excited. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I always say how excited I am. Maybe I should start saying something else. (laughs) (laughs) It's great to be excited. Well, for our first, to start off our conversation, I think I want to ask you to tell us a little bit about who you are in your own words and how you came to be who you are. Uh, Honestly, I might not have like a specific answer for who am I. And that might be a little bit uh, strange for people to say, I don't know exactly who am I. But I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I often like to practice something, uh, pulling up my album, my photo albums, and uh, looking into uh, like different photos in a different stage of my life when I was six months old or six years old, 20, 15, 30, or now 32 years old. And I look into each one of these photos and I ask exactly the same question that you asked me. Who am I? Which one of these guys is representing <laughs> me? Who I wanted to be identified with. So that's why I feel like uh, to best answer that question, it depends on how you look at it, when you look at it, and where you look at it. Mm-hmm. If you look at it, if I look at it in a, in a, in, in when I was nine, like when I was uh, nine years old, then I have a definition, different definition for myself. And moving forward, when I will uh, become 40, 50, 60, then I will have a different definition for the version of myself. So I think, uh, I think I can say that we as a human, we are, uh, uh, infinite spiritual being having a temporarily human experience. Mm-hmm. 
And for some people, I can be a refugee. For some people, I can be a data scientist. For some people, uh, I can be uh, an entrepreneur. But for my mom, I might be one of the most coolest, most handsome, most <laughs> gentle person in the world. So that's why who, you, who, who looks at the definition, where you look at it and how you look at it, it changes the, the, the answer of that question. Mm-hmm. I think your mom is right. <laughs> out of everyone, I think your mom does know the real answer. <laughs> I... I also think it's important for us as we are experiencing personal growth to root in who are our most influential voices that have shaped who we are. And it's something that we can return to as a reminder of where we're rooted when we feel lost and growing can feel like you're losing yourself especially when you're willing to be receptive and open to big changes. And it sounds like you are transitioning and have gone through a lot of really powerful evolutions in your concept of who you are. So um, who are some of your most foundational influences? If you were a foundation who would be the pillars that hold you up? That's a good question. Uh, and, th- and I think that's, that's the beauty of being human. We can be a, uh, we can be a scientist and a poet. We can be a, a adventurous and a, a, a Buddhist. So we can, we can go through different transitions. As, and, and that's why it's always hard for me to, 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 to identify myself in one definition, in one lens. Uh, I, uh, I, have, I have traveled the world, I've read a lot of books, I uh, had a lot of conversations, I have been influenced by many people throughout my life, but I think if I can summarize the top people who is influencing me, who I go back to them if I am going through a, um, like a trans- transitional wave uh, if I'm going through a, a sadness, sadness stage of my life. So, uh, I, uh, so I go back to four people. Uh, so uh, I have, uh, uh, I'm honored that I got to uh, meet these people, um, obviously, uh, through their books, through their writings, uh, not in person, but hopefully, who knows. <laughs> uh, so... One of the person that I um, have been influenced by is the Buddha. I think, I think he is one of the most gentle person who has ever lived in this world. I mean, I've read uh, a lot of books about other philosophers, other uh, people who shaped our societies, our civilization, our history as a human. But I have never encountered anyone as peaceful, as joyful, as nonviolent as the Buddha. And uh, 
and like one of the top teachings that I'm influenced by from the Buddha is uh, his philosophy of uh, everything is impermanent. Impermanence uh, is uh, something uh, motivates me to be patient when I'm sad or even when I'm happy. This happiness is temporarily. This happiness is not uh, permanent. It is impermanent. Uh, so there's a lot of lesson, lesson there's a lot of reflection uh, from that teaching and from many other uh, of his teachings. The second person who I have been really admired by, motivated by, is Lao Tzu. Um, so one, one of the great lessons that I learned from Lao Tzu is effortless action. Mm. I'm one of those people who try to Never miss the show, never miss meeting new people, never miss reading new books, never miss reading um, like adventurous stories, never miss uh, thinking about an innovative idea. But often I also reflect on one of the top teaching by Lao Tzu, which is effortless action. It's very, very very important for me to, to think about it. All the things that we do uh, might not be matter at the end uh, because the Tao has its own plan for this world, for this nature, for this uh, environment we live in. Like for example, almost most of the most important the most important stuff that we do, we care about is a result of effortless action. Like think about when we are when we are a baby in our mother's womb. We didn't do anything. And we brought to life. We were loved. We were raised. We didn't do anything. We did not take any action. So the people we meet, the people who we fall in love to, the people who will be brought to life through us, the places we will be going, almost most of them is a result of an effortless action. So for me, while I am busy like a butterfly to enjoy the flowers of life, <laughs> it's also very important for me to think about that every now and then. The third person who I am very inspired by, unlike um, Lao Tzu and the Buddha, uh, he's a scientist. Uh, his name is Albert Einstein. Oh, I've heard of him. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> so, um, uh, he has, um, he taught me many great lessons, um, um, such as, um, like, uh, our, our, our imagination can, can shape our, our future, can shape our destiny. Mm. I think when I was very, very young, when I was a child, um, 
I used to uh, have a big imagination. And I was very honored that I got to meet some people from the neighborhood who were reading books about like a mysterious stories in the Middle East that were happening in the forest. And uh, so those stories had really shaped my life, had developed my consciousness to be bigger and never afraid of taking another adventure, never, never afraid to try again one more time, never afraid to not lose hope. Mm. Uh, because uh, there is always a hope that the best is yet to come. Um, because we have imagination, we can imagine, imagine a better world. And almost anything that we have seen, we have touched it, we have, be, we have been, is a result of somebody who imagined it, to invent it, to, did, to do it, to uh, write it. So I think it's a great lesson for me that I learned it from Albert Einstein. Um, to have imagination. I mean, he's right. Imagination is everything. Mm. It's a preview of life is coming attraction. Yeah. Mm. So the last person who I am uh, very inspired by, uh, so uh, uh, Jalal Adin Rumi, uh, uh, like a very famous uh, poet in Middle East, uh, who his teachings and his beautiful words, his poet wave landed across foreign countries after centuries. Mm -hmm. um, he is a reminder for me to be, be as poet as possible in every stage of my life and every, and everywhere I go. And I uh, listen to the birds, I think about it, uh, how poetic it is to be a bird under this tree right now. And uh, it, it's important for us to enjoy the beauty that nature, nature offered us. And I think poetry is one of the, uh, one of the greatest way for us to see the manifestation of this beauty, of this glory that, uh, that was given to us. Uh, and uh, unless we will mess it up. Hmm. Thank you for that. I hear so much continuity between the spiritual side of life, the scientific discovery side of life which is also mixed in with your sense of adventure and then the creative artistic yeah capacity that human nature has and I think as I've explored you know trying to articulate myself on this podcast especially I've found a lot of internal tension between holding all of those things together as complementary, harmonious pieces of what it means 
to be a fully awake, in tune human. And I think the reason for that is really deeply cultural. I think it's rooted in our culture's overemphasis on rationality and the sciences and the the need for a logical explanation even though humans don't make don't lead their lives based on logic and rationality we crave symbolism and we crave artistic expression something that can make things feel meaningful and the way that we make meaning is through stories and in so many ways symbolic representations of what it is we're trying to express and I see that in poetry and the arts and I see that as well in spirituality but what's interesting is that Albert Einstein was also an amazing voice for the creative side of life he said if you want your children to grow up to be really intelligent and wise you should read them fairy tales more and more fairy tales means you become wiser and wiser. And so how do you see the tension between these sides of life that we are taught, at least in this culture, to think of as in disharmony with each other? How do you see them as a whole part of what makes us human? Uh, well, I think I think uh, throughout the history that uh, uh, unfortunately, well, well, well. Let me let me say let me put it this way. So, uh, so when we go to school, uh, we uh, choose to go to like a, like either a STEM academy or uh, an art academy. Uh, so, we 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 have been we have been taught that those might be uh, separate from each other. But I think, uh, I, think, I think they exist because the other one exists. I think they complement each other. They, they finish each other. In the, in the, in the very past, uh, like, uh, like for example, uh, like, uh, like, like the country that I grew up, uh, like the scientists, we're all Sufis. We're all poets. Like think about uh, Ibn Sina, Ibn Rushd, or uh, Al Khawarizm, who invented algorithm that we rely on. Our biggest tech company rely on. Uh, so they were all Sufis. They were all poets. They were all astronom. Uh, ast uh, they were all physicists. They were all uh, so so. So I think we have shifted uh, from that uh, combination to separation. And I think it's, uh, in my perspective, it's not a good idea because uh, we can have the capacity to hold science and also um, poetry or uh, spirituality. As a matter of fact, I'm reading a book, right? The Taoist uh, the Tao of the physics. Wow, that sounds so good. So it's it's it sounds it sounds so good because uh, it talks about it how uh, how inseparable physics is with spirituality. Like like I learned something through 
the, the, my reflection uh, reading that book. In Taoism, uh, the principle, uh, the fundamental belief in Taoism is uh, yin and yang, black and white, day and night, the two uh, separate force that they both contribute in the uh, in, in creating this life, in creating the universe. None of them is better than the other. None of them can live without the other. So, uh, and also in, in, in physics, uh, like we have uh, like black hole. So uh, the opposite side of a black hole is a white hole. To me, it's, it's magnificent looking into this black and white in outer space and yin and yang in inner, inner self, in inner, inner space. So that's why I feel they, they both con uh, like complete each other. They are not separate from each other. So that's why I feel like we need to learn about both of them and uh, we will we will enjoy and we will um, be even more creative. That's what Albert Einstein did. He was a musician, but he was also a scientist, one of the greatest scientists. Um, yeah. That's incredible. I would love if you could share one of the poems that's inspired you so that we can actually hear, you know, the place that this deep embodiment with the universal experience of love and inspiration comes from. Yeah. All right, let me. The Guest House. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival. A joy, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an expected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all, even if they are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture, steal treat each guest honorably. They may be clearing you out from some new delight, for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because it has been sent as a guide from beyond. Rumi. Hmm. Never heard that one. I often, I often remind myself and tell my friends that heartbreak is the best thing that's ever happened to me. And 
Yeah, we can talk about growing pains in our language. And just what comes of that on the other side, what's on the other side of your fears. I think I think that 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 that's very important for us to remind ourselves without emptying ourselves from uh, from what we have already we cannot meet a newcomer whatever they are whatever wherever they are uh, I think um, um, it, it, it also it, 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 it's very reflective on, on, on one of the Buddhist teaching that uh, everything is impermanent. I mean think about it and we have to thank we have to be thankful for uh, for the impermanence yeah without the impermanence, a seed can never become a flower. So, uh, next time when we have a, a visitor who brings sorrow or a heartbreak or a pain, we just have to remind ourselves, this is here to go. It's yeah. impermanence. Our greatest teachers. Sometimes it feels like we can't learn the lessons that are we really have to like knock get them knocked into us you know it feels like sometimes there are things we can't learn until it really hurts and i love the image of this guest house which is rooted in a culture of hospitality that i also feel we've lost a little bit in our culture here and just recognizing that we have an obligation, no matter the circumstances, to nourish on a certain level those guests who come in the door. Yeah, that's right. Romy says you will have to keep breaking your heart until it's open. <laughs> And I think on a societal level, it's important to talk about this kind of self-work because one of the reasons that so much violence and persecution persists is our comfort in making ourselves separate from the other and in creating that separation, creating a power dynamic where we feel empowered by taking from someone else's birthright to be empowered in their lives, to be belong. And we have some very intense dynamics going on at this time, not only with our human relations where so many people have been made on a, a power ladder based on based on arbitrary designations of who matters and who is valuable and who belongs 
And then we've also extracted so much from our very life support system that we have so much gratitude to give. And until we address the roots of those power structures in ourselves, we'll never, we'll never see a place where we can all gather together as equals who are all nourished around a table. I think, I think that's, that's, that's very true. Uh, we, we, we as a human, we really have to think a lot about our position in, in, in this world, our position in this, uh, in, in, in this universe. Uh, and I think we have to work hard on ourselves. We have to educate ourselves. We have to keep breaking our heart until it, it is open, uh, as Rumi says. Um, and like to me, uh, I found those answers uh, researching about uh, physics and the universe. Uh, when I when I'm educated a little bit about uh, the black holes, gravitational wave, the birth and death of a star, I will never ever, uh, I will never think about it uh, like uh, hating somebody. I will never think about it. Uh, I am somebody is m, has more privilege than others. Uh, I think I think researching and educating ourselves, working on ourselves, will broaden our uh, perception about who we are in uh, in relationship with with the others we are exist because others are exist if if it's not because of others we will never be here so we are here for others and they are here for us so uh, it's 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 this harmony that uh, we will have to learn how to live with and educate ourselves for it is for its existence um and any any action we take uh, will go against it, and anything goes against it. This understanding, it won't last long. Yeah, there's so much about being in relationship, in a vulnerable, transparent, and equal way that is terrifying especially to people who have been who haven't gotten to experience nurturement and love and i think part of the part of what i have learned from your stories and the way that you are in community is extending an invitation out even if it may seem beyond your comfort zone or what is expected of us. And I've seen you extend an, a request for hospitality in the same way, especially as someone just arriving to this community. Uh, so yeah, so I've reached out to many people uh, in, in this community uh, that I need help, I need a place to stay. I. Uh, 
I always find that there is much more there for you to offer but we just have to ask we just have to reach out and also we also have to create that space for others who needs help for others who reach out to us and they need a place they need a guidance they need help so that's why everything is perfectly in a harmony in this world you reach out um, because they reached out uh, you're helping because they are helping uh, so like as I said the existing of everything in this world is highly dependent of the existence of the others without the others we're not here and without us they're not here so we are all uh, in a harmony and uh, especially in this community uh, I have many stories that I uh, reached out to people with a very limited uh, English vocabulary but there were great people who hosted me who let me stay in their house for a couple of years and um, I made a lot of connection through them and I also I have created space for people to stay in my house uh, so I think I I I like to I, I'm working on myself to create that harmony and to protect it to retain that harmony that we exist because of others I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about your work and some of the ways that you're trying to create more sustainable alternatives to offer places for people to live and places for people to find home, but also just creating something for us to build from that does less harm and what that process has been like for you i think uh, creativity can solve uh, many of our problems these days like for example one of the one of the top problems that we have within this country is uh, is housing uh, houses are not affordable uh, almost 35 percent of american are not able to afford owning a house and i think uh, we can be creative to solve this problem there's a lot of uh, bureaucracy around uh, how we got there into that point. What I'm trying to work on with, uh, with a group friend of mine is uh, uh, like combining technology uh, to help uh, solving this problem. We have seen technology solve many problems in our life, including logistics, shipping, co connection, um, uh, the way we watch movies, the way we go from somewhere to another, uh, all has been shaped by technology. And, uh, and, and during my research, I found out uh, technology has not affected construction 
So we, we are working to, uh, to find a way to uh, combine technology with home construction. Like there, there are various ways we can do that. One of them is through uh, 3D printing technology. 3D printing uh, is one of the premise that can build uh, a, a quicker, much affordable, much aspirational, highly customizable houses. And uh, we have hope that we can build uh, affordable houses, not only affordable, but also aspirable and also customizable. Um, I'm, I'm also a student. Uh, I'm studying artificial intelligence. Uh, uh, in my research, I'm working on uh, building a robot uh, that uh, sorts recycling material. And I think we have, uh, we have a lot of waste that's inevitable. We have uh, a lot of waste in today's world and we have to do something useful about um, We have to make this waste useful without burning it into climate. And, uh, and I think technology can help us do that. Uh, one of the main challenge in um, creating a sustainable uh, use of waste is sorting. We don't have enough human power to sort uh, wasted material. And I think robotics and technology can help uh, to find a, a much efficient way to be able to sort these waste and then we will take it through a pr different processing facilities to make something useful about it. Um, I uh, built a, a sidewalk tiles out of plastic waste. I uh, partnered with a company in India a um, couple months ago. Um, I was very curious about doing something with the plastic waste we have, uh, first in this community and second in the country. So I partnered with this company um, in India. So we have uh, built a sidewalk tile that is uh, very durable, very strong, um, and it's 100% from plastic waste. I presented this idea to the university I'm attending, and I won the greatest social impact award. Um, so it was really uh, affirming that this idea can work and there's support to make it work. So I think we have a lot of problem. Technology can help. Creative ideas can help solving that. Uh, however, life doesn't always have to be around solving problem. Uh, technology can take us uh, beyond just solving our pro problem. Um, to create a sustainable environment, to eliminate waste, and yeah. That's so amazing, and congratulations on being recognized for that invention. And what I see between the two of us that I really value is two people who are working in spheres that we might see as oppositional. Um, you are working with technology to talk about these, these 
interventions with our current waste sorting system, with our current um, recycling system and building systems, and where we can insert a technological in innovation that will change things as they are right now, the systems as how they work right now to make them more efficient, more sustainable, and more equitable. And then what I'm trying to do with the work that we're doing here at the Wild Honey Collective and also with Willow Run, the farm that I live and work at, is trying to re remind ourselves that ecology is technology as well and the technologies of living systems are often erased and choked out of the systems that are governed by conventional technology. And something that's interesting is there are parallels with everything that you're talking about and everything that I'm thinking about with my angles on this this topic so for example to in the area of building it's possible to grow your own housing structures by growing mushrooms and you know as cultures from from all over the world have done sealing them with clay and we're abundant in clay here in our soil profile in Shenandoah Valley, and you, what, you, what that creates is a building block that is completely bioengineered that you can create a housing structure with. And there are natural types of insulation, like straw, and I think you cannot have one of those solutions without the other because there's such a great need. And it's important for those of us who are coming from different perspectives to put our perspectives together and figure out how we can collaborate. And that is what ecosystems do. And that is what we have failed to do in a lot of our um, larger social structures and how our systems function. Because there's a lot of oversight and like top-down kind of functional structure. And that's just not how life functions. We should be learning from the efficiency of the largest living, longest held system on the planet, which is the planet. Yeah, that's right. I 100% I, I agree with you. So my, my focus is on uh, like, a, let's say conventional technology, as you said. <laughs> Uh, but 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 I believe uh, like our definition for technology is not only the tools and the machines that we uh, we started to learn a couple decades ago. I strongly believe the trees are the best technology nature has to observe to observe uh, carbon. So that the, the technology, uh, like a tree can be a technology. Uh, being a farmer uh, is simply as an engineer to build a sustainable life. 
uh, in a different angles, in a different definition. So I feel they both go hand in hand. We can't entirely shift our focus on engineering and technology and uh, forget about the, 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 uh, the nature and the food and uh, the sustainability that we can, that nature can, can, can provide us uh, through farming, through uh, forestation, through, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, through uh, planting seeds. So I yeah. think they go hand in hand. Absolutely. Hard to focus on that. Another question that was in my mind was like, what advice you would have for someone who's trying to, you know, make a specific kind of change in their life or maybe like look for what kind of specificity would help them focus changes that they're trying to make because there's this piece about like structuring your internal life that I've been feeling in our conversation but that we haven't talked about explicitly I think I think one one thing that we should we should we should learn to do is to have a big imagination to dream really big as big as possible uh, as wide as possible and uh, that will structure a sustainable uh, uh, source of inspiration for us because uh, we can achieve it we if we can dream it we can achieve it if we can visualize it we can see it uh, and we have a lot of successful stories uh, in the last uh, uh, few centuries. Uh, I think um, it's very important for someone who wanted to grow and build a sustainable lifestyle is first to dream big and have a wide and big imagination. Uh, it will come to you. It will come to you. Thank you. You're welcome. My pleasure. So what are you dreaming of? I think we as a human, we are... uh, We are the... We might be, let me say that. We might be the only uh, known creature that can dream and see tomorrow, see day after tomorrow years after tomorrow and we have to take advantage of that and build our dream and hope based on that realization that tomorrow will be better the best is yet to come Mm. and that's true to any one of us As always, thank you so much for listening in. Your time and attention are not small things. They call it paying attention for a reason. 
So thank you for your investment here at the Wild Honey Collective. If you appreciate this work, the simplest and easiest way to support it is following on whatever platform you're listening, sharing it with your friends, and following us over on Instagram at wildhoney.collective. Seriously, if you take five seconds to follow wherever you are finding this work, it will help us be seen by more people and connect with fellow cultural worker bees. So thank you for your support. You can always add your own voice to the conversation by messaging me on Instagram with your reflections and questions or by filling out the question form at wildhoneycollective.org. New episodes will keep coming every Friday through season one all the way through February. The second half of season one will get us into more conversations about soulfulness and lived values, but we will also be expanding into how the world of the wild honeybees works, how we can learn from them, and how we can craft medicine by being with and committing to wild life. Last but not least, you can support the podcast on Patreon by becoming a monthly subscriber, which comes with added benefits including, you know it, merch. Rock the culture out in the world and help us pollinate ideas for greater collective health. And for all you wild honeys out there, keep creating.